You might as well just go to the Grand Canyon. It looks the same. And you can breathe. And you, you can, can breathe. breathe. Yeah. There's there's plants. Yeah. If you you don't lost. need specialized you just, equipment. There's a store nearby. You could just go like buy some You don't food. need to poop on potatoes. Nope. There you go. Let's go. I mean, you can. Well, you could. <laughs> <laughs> Scotch. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 75 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. Oh, hey there. Hey. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I'm the Weber Netter. I'm Sam and I'm a Arthur. And today's November 29th. Two thousand sixteen. That was good. Thank you. It's very uh, <laughs> very WW some other letter. WW like <laughs> yeah. uh, gonna be ours. Also we have warning. <laughs> Anything could happen on this show, there's gonna be profanity and a whole bunch of other crap. So if you don't like that kind of stuff or if you're a baby, you've been warned. Fairly. Get out of here. Or yeah. just listen, but be upset. Or if it's illegal for you to listen to it for some reason. Is yeah. it? Because it, no, there's no way it's actually nah. illegal. You just aren't supposed to. It's just to. because it'll make you grow up so fast if you listen to it. You're going to lose your innocence. Yeah. You're going to, if you if you listen <laughs> to this and you're three, just do have a beard mm-hmm. like that instantly. Yeah. Um, a glass of aged scotch in your hand. Yeah. One of those adult man those, babies. You get those crow's feet around your eyes. Yep. I'm talking literal crow's feet. Yeah, yeah. there's going to be crow's standing on your face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's or you for just the rest of your paste life. crow's feet next to your eyes. It's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> it's really disgusting. Being old is, it's, it's not pretty. It's not Let's pretty. talk about the news. What we got going on? Uh, to do, well, okay. This week, we're in beta for the Clash Crashlands Juice Mancy Patch. Yeah. Juice Mancy Patch. Juice Mancy Patch. The Juice Mancy Patch. As we discussed, it's very hard to say with proper emphasis. Yeah. Yes. And we've just had a whole bunch of testers. How many testers total? 140 last I checked. 140. So pretty Thanks. good Pretty good uh, run and, and not not too many bugs. They're all fixed. Everything that got reported. Um, so now we're just kind of prepping things up and ride, we're just kind of riding out the, the wave. Yeah. <laughs> Of something. Can I? <laughs> I want to tell a quick story about this. But wait, when does it launch, though? Well, it launches next Tuesday, December 6th. Yeah, on and everything. On everything. On everything simultaneously, which, you know, what could go wrong? There's only, yeah. there's only a couple of us running this ship, and we have to do a massive worldwide deployment on multiple platforms in one day. Yeah, Nothing and I mean, wrong. worst It'll case scenario, everything just completely goes to shit and breaks, and then we have to build six separate versions of the game and send those out simultaneously. Yeah, it's again. just not a big no deal. Big deal. So uh, that's what we're looking down the barrel of <laughs> the next week. But I think on the plus side, uh, we're going to be doing a sale. Yes, so right? there there will but be. can we talk about that? Yeah. Okay. So. Are you sure? I don't know. I mean, we can just say we're putting it on sale. Well, we are, but can we, I don't know if we're allowed to say when, though. Yeah. I think we're not allowed to say when. Oh. Just so pipe down. I think that's strictly, <laughs> so. So I think that. it's okay to say we're going to, so we can we don't have to cut that part out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, be keep your little peepers peeped. For, Although for I have sale, to say, probably sales. people listening to this are probably have, already buy probably it. have the game already. You guys are out of luck. Maybe Sorry not on that. Steam though. Yeah, maybe. If, well, Adam, now if you we were to go, <laughs> if we were to go on sale on Steam at some unforeseen oh, date, I mean, God damn it! If we if we were, but we're not. We'll just say it's not going to happen. I'm going to move ever. on real quick. Anyway, so uh, one of my favorite bugs from the patch, or I guess one that was actually not a bug, but then uncovered a bug on the back end. From was the juice Mancy patch. Was that, uh, I think, Spagadron, someone, or maybe it was you, someone pointed out that when they went into one of the new buildings, oh, that was uh, there's, a, there's a chest on the western side of this building. And so, of course, very excitedly, Adam goes to open it, and lo and behold, just a single stick pops out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Which I did on purpose because I thought it was hilarious. But uh, Adam understands that on the back end, if you put a chest into the game and you put a, a loot table in it so that it can drop stuff, the default item that it drops is actually a stick. So yeah. Adam thought I thought it was a bug that I just messed up because stick 
has an item index of zero. Yeah. But I think somebody else also again. reported it as a bug. Yeah, because it yeah. seems like one. Yeah, so, it seems unintentional. So uh, what I decided to do, Adam mentioned this, and was like, okay, so obviously we need to take this joke up a notch. So I went into the creator on the back end, went into this chest, and I was like, I'm just going to make this thing explode with sticks. So it's going to drop like 23 sticks at once, which means that uh, because of how the game throws items, they're going to try to land on any open spot around chest, which means that... Just because it's, it's just be there's just sticks all over the place. You're gonna hit this chest. It's just like a stick. It's battle. gonna be raining sticks. And so I'm just going to giggling myself. Uh, go and try to fix this. Turns out uh, the the back of the crater is a little broken. <laughs> so, yeah, I just I mean nothing has changed on. I haven't touched. I don't know what happened. The crater for the crater was just whatever. like hey whoa 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 this is way too many sticks. <laughs> Take it down. I a think notch. the crater just got my joke and was like nah. Don't let these haters hate, man. Yeah, you, you, you leave that. You leave that one stick in there. You leave it alone. Yeah. yeah so as a workaround, Stay because true to your dreams, <laughs> because version two of the creator is actively under development and is well on its way to being complete, uh, but is is literally just a different piece of software than the current mm-hmm. creator. And so my options are either go fix that bug, which has no reason to exist, but obviously does, uh, or just be like. Nah, I'll just, I'll <laughs> nah, just, now I'll just, just modify the database directly so in, to yeah, add those in, sticks. In uncharacteristic Adam fashion, he's like, mm, yeah, I'm just going to open up the database, find that chest, and put more sticks in it. <laughs> <laughs> Hard-coded in the back. Uh, uh, so that was hilarious. Which and, was done. But this is actually, this brings up an interesting point, which I think has come up in the past. Hmm. That is, when you're trying to tell a joke, especially in the context of these games that we're making where we have these bizarre, goofy jokes, uh, it's it's never clear whether the thing that you're doing is a joke or you being an idiot or creating a bug, Yeah, right? And and we actually had this conversation earlier. Especially with the kinds of jokes that we like to make. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but we, we were, Sam and I were having this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And Sam and I were having this conversation about the new Pokemon game mm-hmm. um, because I was playing it and it, it, there's just... The story seems so dumb. The way that you interact with the characters, like, oh, just you wait so dumb, especially like the skull fucking team skull, team skull, whatever. And they they appear and they're just (laughs) doing this ridiculous dance thing as they're just while they're talking to you, right? And I was just like, I was looking at this and I was like, it doesn't feel intentional, it feels just dumb, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, but I mean, like Sam's argument, he's like, no, I think they like, I think they got that this was a joke and they did it on purpose. Oh yeah, but you have to accumulate more and more data over the game to see these these instances to to actually decide if, on the whole, they're actually a joke or dumb, mm-hmm. right? And uh, which I think in, with Pokemon, we fell on the side of a joke after seeing yes. more stuff. Uh, but the, with our games, this is the same problem we run into all the time. We actually have many, many jokes that we come up with where then one of the other three of us is like, we can't do that because people are just going to think we're dumb. Yep. Right? <laughs> it's not, they won't yep. understand that we did this as a joke. That we were that dumb on purpose, which exactly. is what makes it funny. Yes. It's about to just be dumb. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Jokes on you guys, I'm not really stupid. <laughs> I was just about to put a stick in there. <laughs> <laughs> just put a stick in there. Uh, so, but on, on a follow-up from last week, when we talked about not finishing games in a long time, I actually beat Pokemon over Fuck the last yeah. week. yeah. Of course, this is because of Thanksgiving. This is a new, po- <laughs> new well, Pokemon. Oh, careful spoilers. Oh yeah. What what happens at the end of Pokemon? Do I you can't tell you? Do you fight the Elite Four? Dumbledore dies. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I was actually. And it turns out you were a ghost the whole time. It's oh a, my god! It's like Final Fantasy. And, and Dumbledore was a, also a ghost. Yeah, everybody was a Dumbledore ghost. Dumbledore's father was a actually. Ghost. Uh, yeah. So the interesting thing about the story in Pokemon is it takes so long before because Team Skull, like you said, super dumb and yeah. repeatedly are dumb. Actually, pretty much through the whole thing, and until you until you understand what their role is in all of these crazy events that start happening, but they don't start happening until like twelve hours into the game story. 
Hmm. So up until then, they're doing all they're doing, I think, is actually they do this really good job of actually just setting up place, right? Where they say, you're in this place. Here's how the world works. Here's, here's all this fun here's stuff these to do. dumb Team Skull people. There's Team Skull people are just kind of, they're just causing problems, but they're stupid. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I think and you slowly realize I, it matters. I think what happens is, I, so I, I've played a game for eight seconds. So just bear in mind. I think it's eight minutes. Or eight minutes, sorry. I, yeah, it was long enough that I was able to save. Mm-hmm. Then I stopped. Um, that must have taken at least half an hour. I think <laughs> what happens <laughs> with Team Skull is that they are being manipulated by an actual smart person who is propaganding them into dancing their way across the nation. It's probably true. And crushing all opposition. Yeah, that sounds about right. Well, I do want to say, as far as the whole, like, taking eight minutes before you can save the game, the final cutscene of this game is, I shit you not, 25 minutes long. <laughs> and at one point, in the middle of the cutscene, you're not able to save, and it forces you to fight a legendary Pokemon, which, of course, you could only catch at that point. And... <laughs> So, in other words, if you fail to catch it, you're like, oh, I want to rewatch this. (laughs) And then it goes on for another, like, 15 minutes after that. Okay? So, if anybody's getting close to the end, I'm just going to warn you. Potion up. Just get your get your balls ready. <laughs> get your balls ready and get your battery juice. Yeah, because yeah, actually my battery was low and I was like I was fighting I was fighting through the like the final four of the game and you know Elite Four. Cutscenes going. You're like, oh no problem. Mike. Well, no, I was I was about to <laughs> enter the final fight and uh, my fiance was like, you should or my wife, goddamn it, my wife was like, <laughs> you should really plug plug your thing. And like, I'm I'm pretty sure we're gonna we're getting close to the end. There might be a long cutscene. And I was first I was like, no, like, I don't want to go five feet and plug this in. I'm, I'm in the middle of my battle. I'm in the zone. I've come and too far. She, she convinced me to, and thank God, because I would have just died in the middle of this 30-minute cutscene, and I would have had to replay the dip again yeah. again. Anyways. Pro tip, don't do that, game developers. Yeah, don't do it. Um, next thing I want to talk about real quick is a couple of incidents of mild sort of mind losing that's been happening to me recently let's go let's go let's so, go down the rabbit hole so first thing that happened was we get back from iowa on sunday where they were for thanksgiving because that was last week yeah yeah and, and, we, and i want to say we were super thankful the entire time oh yeah, yeah. i mean it was great the only way you could be yeah and uh get back and get everything put away and i'm like i cannot find my phone charger what is happening it's just nowhere to be found and decided i'm just like okay i guess i'll just go to work the next day with this phone that's nearly dead and plug in plug it into one of our various tablet devices we got in powered up so i go about doing that and my wife sends me a text about 10 o'clock in the morning she's like hey i found your charger it's in the laundry basket wait this was this was after you got back yes oh yeah this is probably because it was just in your bag and so you pulled out all your clothes of the charger in one go i i want to think that's the case i want to believe i want to believe (laughs) but for some reason i don't because also that night uh i had made some calls my phone and then put things in my pockets and i was like and I was walking out of my room and I was like, oh, wait, I need to make another call. Feeling around, you know, feeling around in my pants. Can't find my phone. Like, what? Where is it? Look at my hands because sometimes I forget that it's look in my at, hands. Just look, at both, <laughs> look at both hands. It's not in my hands. Did so you I'm double like, check your hands? I'm like, so I'm like, okay. Uh, still, still check I think my this, should always, this should actually be your first instinct is if you ever go, where is a thing? Then check just your hands. hold up both hands <laughs> and look at them first. It solves the problem sometimes. So, <laughs> sometimes so I go back, go back in my office, scouring around. like, what? I don't understand. I literally just used this device a moment ago. Check my hands again. Check my pants. Like, what? And then I'm walking out and go to uh, sort of feel my back pocket, which is the places that I only keep my wallet ever. It's the only thing ever back there. And my phone's in there. Was your wallet in there too? No. I don't know where my wallet went. My <laughs> wallet was gone. It's like, someone's messing with me. Every time you put something in your pocket, you lose something else. Is yeah. it possible that this is the next evolution of the chocolate demon? 
It, it might be. Well, here's the, here's the final one. He just moves your electronics and your other belongings from <laughs> pocket well, to pocket and bin to bin. <laughs> here's the final one from this morning. Uh, and the, perhaps for the proof that my grasp on reality is slipping. Um, I bought some bread last night, bread rolls. And you got to be very careful at the store because if you buy like the nice bread that they bake in the grocery store, then sometimes for some goddamn reason, they poke a bunch of holes in the bag. So the bag itself is what? one of those plastic bags that actually what? is- What so the bread can breathe or it'll die? Or, yeah. <laughs> so it's basically, I, mean, I don't know what, if it's that's the theory. A bread bag is sort of like a, like a terrarium yeah. for yeast. Yeah. So you get this bag and if you're not, you got to, you can feel it. Or you can look at it and you can see if there's if it's got little pock marks all over it, then it's one of these bags that actually has tons of holes in it, which is obviously terrible. Maybe it's because they put the bread in like freshly hot. I think they that's don't what they want do. the water the steam. That's exactly yeah. right. But of course, if you're not paying attention to it, then you bring it home, you just lay it on the counter, and then it's literally and then your stale. cats eat it. Or, or your cats eat it. <laughs> yep. So your cats slip in through the holes in the bag. <laughs> they eat the bread. <laughs> yeah. So I buy this stuff, and then I think this is just further convincing my wife that I've lost my mind because buy this bag, and then last night I had like shoved the whole bag and all of the bread as one unit underneath this like bread uh, sort of case thing that we have. And Diana looks and she's like, "Why is there bread in a bag in that?" Thing? <laughs> and I was like, "It's one of those bags that has holes all over it." You know, it's terrible. I explained this situation to her. She's like, "Why didn't she just like, take it out of the bag?" Okay. Well, then. <laughs> So this morning, we make food, and Diana toasts the buns out of this thing. And then she sends me a text about an hour ago and she of a picture of the bag, and she's like, there are no holes in this bag. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I didn't even know this was a thing that happened, like that you put oh, holes man. in bags. Is that maybe this has never been the case, <laughs> and Sam has just I'm been just hallucinating like I'm losing my shit. I got to say, but I, I feel like I have a pretty good losing sense of reality story as well. Where one day, I was like, I'm going to make some eggs. So I make some scrambled eggs. And, and as, as is my custom, I made uh, 18. A hundred of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just get an 18. Because I'm like, I don't want to cook eggs twice or three times. You know, I mean, nine ridiculous. eggs at a time, right? <laughs> so I'll just make 18 eggs, put the rest in Tupperware, you know, eat nine. Seth is basically a chicken Satan at this yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> eat nine eggs, throw nine eggs in Tupperware, and just put those in, you know, put those mm -hmm. away. Um so I do this, and then a couple days later, my wife is like, I'm going to cook some some paneer or something. So she starts cooking food, and then we eat. We have a nice dinner, and then afterwards, uh, she's like, oh, I got I to gotta put the food in the in the fridge, right? So she goes, <laughs> she goes and opens up the cupboard to get the Tupperware out, and what's in there? My eggs. <laughs> <laughs> so you cooked, you cooked 18 eggs, and then put them in a the Tupperware, and then put, and then them, put the Tupperware the back in the cabinet <laughs> instead of in the fridge. Because I had, uh, I was busy. I had things going on. You know, I can't be putting stuff in the right. You place. know, there's this absent-minded professor stereotype, but I feel like the absent-minded game developer might be, it might be one yeah. step closer to yep. dementia <laughs> at all times. All right. Uh, next stuff we got going on uh, tomorrow. We're actually going to have a, a jam day. Mm -hmm. So you guys want anyone want to tell? Tell the lovely listeners what a jam day is at Butterscotch. Yeah, it's a, it's a work a work jam, <laughs> and it's uh, it's because we just we love getting lots of work done. It just feels really good to go. You come in, you have nothing else to do. You just decide the rest of your life doesn't exist, and you just crush some project. You just neglect your loved ones, your yep. friends, babies. Yep. Pretend like they don't exist. Write them all off, uh, and then and then you just do some work. And we we used to do this. Pretty regularly. Pretty regularly. Every couple weeks. Yeah, every couple weeks probably. And and it was mostly when uh, it, it was kind of a chance to to reset our our approach to work and our approach to life and and to get sort of a jump start on projects that have been kind of dragging. Yeah, because the other the beauty of a jam is when you're there for twelve hours or mm -hmm. something, 
uh, and you and you have nothing else to worry about. You pick a a big project for the day, and that's just that's your focus is mm-hmm. getting that thing done or moving it ahead into a really you know measurable degree. And so uh, being able to just sit down, not have anything else to worry about, and jam that thing out, it just it 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 allows you a huge degree of productivity that you could never otherwise get. Yeah. Uh, especially because of the time frame, right? So, like, normally, if, if you're working, you know, eight or nine to five or something like that, which is pretty typical, then, you know, you work for a couple hours and, oh, it's lunchtime, right? So, you don't want to start a huge project before lunch because you only have a couple hours, yeah. right? And then you, at, after lunch, then you settle in, you you're get your sleepy tasks from organized, you're kind of sleepy. Did. So, maybe about three o'clock, you finally kind of get revved back up and you're like, okay, let's get some work done. And then you sit down and you're like, I only got two hours, so possibly I can't possibly that. do a big thing, right? <laughs> So by actually chunking out a 12-hour block, then you just put yourself in a position where you're just like, I'm going to work on these huge projects. Mm-hmm. So so we, we actually we enjoy the shit out of it, which is funny because like the there's crunch in the game dev industry, right? Yeah. And so I guess what's the difference between crunch I think the difference is jam? crunch is top down and a jam is bottom up. In yeah. that, there you go. In that the people in the trenches are like, they love what they're doing and they and they feel like they haven't gotten enough time to do it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, it's a, it's actually a social effort where everybody takes advantage of the energy of everybody else, just throwing themselves into some work um, to also throw themselves into work. Sort of like being in the trenches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, well, and it's kind of a manufactured, it's a manufactured trenches. So there actually isn't right. <laughs> any stress, right? That's actually the key. Cause like we never do this. We do not do jam days around the times when we have actual boatloads of for, sort of forced work to do. So yeah. for example, like the patch is coming out next week yeah. and we're looking at our calendars. We're like, if we want to do a jam day, the only day we could do it is actually tomorrow because mm-hmm. we're going to be stressed as fuck from this patch. So it's weird because we don't use them. No, because you know, they're a yeah. sacred thing that's supposed to be for fun and for working on and for getting a big start on the stuff you really are excited about and hitting. Because, of course, like with all jobs, you know, working on games has a high degree of tedium to it, you know? It's a grand man. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's fun to come up with the designs and come up with the ideas and sort of um, throw ideas out about characters and stories and whatever. But then you got to actually do it. <laughs> and that takes forever. I and do feel so, like this is something a lot of people just don't get. They don't, about. They don't get that jump. Well, about <laughs> like creative enterprise generally, either. Yeah, you absolutely. know, like if you're a writer, yeah, coming up with a story is fun, but banging it out for six months is not. Yeah, <laughs> writing it. Yeah, writing it as a hundred and fifty thousand well, word I mean, novel yeah. and Ugh. proofreading it over and over. Again. It is fun, but but the joy. It's, a, it's a different kind of joy, right? Where the joy is actually in the work itself. And if you can't find joy in just throwing yourself into work and trying to crush some project, trying to make meaningful progress yeah. on things where, where what other people, when other people call that thing a grind, if you can call that joy, you're going to do fine. Oh, yeah. Solid. Speaking of which, uh, we do have an art job open right now. Uh, you can check it out at jobs.bscotch.net for a 2d artist. So you'd work uh, with, with me, I guess. Sam's going to teach you cool stuff. how to make pitches. I'm going to, I'm going to teach you how to be well, a you probably already know how. You should already know, but you, Actually, you gotta, not, you definitely need to already. Yeah. yeah you got <laughs> Uh, you gotta know Inkscape. You gotta learn Inkscape, and then some of the techniques that Sam has developed mm-hmm. for making art. Yeah, so that's what you'll learn from Unbelievably Sam. Unbelievably fast. Yep. So we do. We've already gotten actually 130 uh, applicants for the position. So feel free to throw your throw your name in the hat, and we'll be checking everything out probably in like two weeks or so. I think so. We'll be. Yep. You can find the details at jobs.bscotch.net. Uh, you can learn a little bit more about just the company, and then scroll down, find the app, and you can throw your just, little, ba- just throw bear your hat in mind because of our. Are focused on process and speed. Um, 
and efficiency, then one B-Scotch artist is the equivalent of 32 mm-hmm. regular artists. That's in, true. Fact. In terms of output. Yep. So if that sounds like something that you think you can do, yeah. if you, yeah, get you won't in on be, these jams. Right. Yeah, you will not be laboriously crafting one work of art over a week. You'll be nah. laboriously crafting 1,000 <laughs> exactly. in a week. Yeah. All right, next thing is... Uh, <clears throat> Adam's about 12 hours deep into an insane mode playthrough yeah. of Crashlands. Well, this is we, not having played it for I haven't played ever, it in any meaningful way since... I, I played through the entire game during the beta a year okay. ago. That was when everything was kind of broken, too, yeah. story-wise yep. and everything else. Yeah, so I played through it all then, and, and uh, I think basically like starting midway through the beta, so most stuff was fixed at that point, but I was still looking for bugs. What device are you playing on? Right now? Yeah. I'm playing mostly on my Android phone. Okay. But then otherwise also on my laptop with a controller because I want to test out contro- how, how controller feels, um, which is really good, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but I was just, I was looking at it and I was I actually don't have that many achievements because I played the game back before we hooked up all of the, right. all of the perks. And, and so, you're like, oh, I need these achievements, man. I, gotta so get now I need these perks. And of course, the, the elusive up. hardest one is going to be beating the game in insane mode. Mm. And that'll give if you can do that and do all the other stuff, then now you've got all the you got all the things unlocked. Yeah, because so on the like, plus side, when you get the when you beat the game on insane mode, it also gives you exactly. the achievements for the other yep. game completion. So so I was like, I'll just I'll just do it on on this play because I figured it would be good. Now that we're trying to we're ramping up, um, you know, it's sales season coming up, which we may or may not be participating in sales. <laughs> Keep your eyes peeled uh, for sales that may or may not happen. Um, and, uh, but this is coming up, which means we're going to get, you know, fresh, fresh players in, uh, you know, crash line itself, or we're well past the launch, but even the last time we did a sale, uh, in on steam over the summer, and uh, we actually got in about as many new players as we had at launch on steam mm-hmm. specifically. And so, so that means we're gonna have a lot of new players coming in. And it's already the case that when I'm looking through our Reddit sub form or subreddit or our forums, people are asking questions about crash lines. I'm like, Fuck, I have no idea what the this is. <laughs> I haven't well, played this for a well, year. And we have talked about how the development of the game was sort of like the Manhattan Project, mm-hmm. where, you know, you guys don't have any idea of sort of the numbers behind the scenes of, like, how things drop mm-hmm. nope. or how things are balanced. And I don't know almost any of the quest information. Yeah. People will ask me about quests that I've never even heard of. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know that they're in the game. <laughs> well, um, we had this hilarious thing happen yesterday because I, I made all the Juice Mancy quests in about a day and a half last week. And it adds about, it ends up adding about like, I think probably two and a half, three, maybe four hours of content to the game. And someone, I think it was you, Adam, actually. Or, yeah. Or someone else in the in the feedback form said that Esther the Nestor was too hard of a wat to kill, which if that sounds like No, what like they said jargon, was that, that Esther the Nestor kept going through the walls. It was both of those. It was both. Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck is Esther the Nestor? <laughs> well, and then I, and then Sam was like, as the I person who wrote it, and who also apparently doesn't know what holes in bread bags look like, <laughs> was like, what is Esther the Nestor? Yeah, what is I made, that? I made it a week ago, and I forgot about <laughs> Fortunately, it. Adam played it. And so Adam, Which is one of the reasons to have somebody actually play. And Adam had, <laughs> Adam had fought Esther the Nestor, so at least one person out of the three of us knew what a thing in our own game was. Yeah. So Which we got, is, we got it Exactly. So I figure... <laughs> I feel like I'm working on the Manhattan Project myself, yeah. you know? Just in your I don't own even, life. I don't even know... <laughs> I don't even know what I made last like, Where's my charger? You gave yourself a memory <laughs> How does wipe? chocolate get in my phone? <laughs> I'm so dumb. <laughs> Yeah, I'm actually, I'm really uh, enjoying, or I'm lo- really looking forward to over winter break. I'm going to 
take a controller. Yeah. Spend some time with Crashlands because yeah. I haven't, I think it's been long enough, clearly. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, maybe it only needed like a week for me to forget everything. So it's been long enough that I should be able to play through it and actually enjoy it for what it is as yeah. opposed to I would out. say insane mode, I would not recommend. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm loving it. I'm, yeah. I'm 11 hours into my. Is that, is that where you just get one shot of everything? Yeah. <laughs> one thing, one thing I, though, that I like about one thing I like about insane mode is because the combat is fucking hard uh, that I have a tendency to not go as aggressively after creatures, and I'll yeah. spend more time harvesting other stuff. Mm. My base is dope. <laughs> like, it is huge, <laughs> and I'm 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 two thirds of the way through the savannah, but I just have this massive sprawling. Bag. I've got how many stone floors everywhere? Gravestones do you have? Oh, I think I have maybe seventy. Okay, yeah, it's about yeah. Because I just I built I just built my fourth tenacity monument, which for those of you who haven't played or ever or, in or a while died anyway, too much uh, or died that much, uh, it's a new thing we added in the quality, quality life, life patch, patch I think in the summer. Uh, which is we noticed that there are people dying a lot, and so we were like, oh, this is now a resource because you die so many times that tombstones are a resource. So we, what can we craft out of them? We added the, <laughs> we added the tenacity monument out of twenty gravestones mm-hmm. to to show off your your just how much tenacity. you die. How would you die? And so I just built my fourth one, mm. and I'm still in the savannah on insane mode. <laughs> so you know, yeah, it's something. Well, let's talk about uh, another thing. Crashlands related. It's the last bit of news from this week. Um, Crashlands got named the Times Top Ten Games of 2016. Yeah, which is a step up, I think, from what we had earlier, which was top fifty apps. Yeah, I think top That's, ten games overall when you're compared because we we're in we're in company with Battlefield and The Witness. The Witness. Yeah. yeah, so it's not it's not just <laughs> mobile games or whatever. It's just games. Right, just games. I think we're actually we're one of the few mobile games that are in there. Or I guess games that are mobile, mobile. available games. Mobile available. Blah, 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 blah. So that's pretty cool. I thought it was interesting in particular because uh, you know, all of these best of 2016 lists are going to be coming out really quickly now. Um, I know lots of our uh, journalist friends have been compiling them and talking about it. So these are all going to come out, uh, and I guarantee you nobody's top 10 list is going to look anything like the time. The time. No. <laughs> I mean, no Man's Sky was on the list. Yeah. Yeah. Which, while impressive for a variety of reasons, probably not. For a game that has a 50% review score is interesting. Yeah. Is it that good? It might, I, think yeah. it's, I think it's been creeping up. No, I mean, it's, it's literally, it's the last time I checked, it was overwhelmingly negative. On oh, Steam. really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Which I is guess the yeah, worst, I it's literally at the it. worst I've ever seen. Yeah. Hell hath no fury like a gamer scorn. <laughs> no. what's, what's amazing <laughs> is that there can be that many reviews while it still has that low of a score. I know. Because well, it's like the past think at a certain days. point, people would see yeah. it and they'd be like, look at the score and be like, oh shit, 8%. I'm not going to buy it. Yeah, no, the, people could just keep buying it. The past 30 days has another like 5,000 reviews, which is still more than the vast majority of games get on Steam by right. a lot. Uh, and they're overwhelmingly negative, right? Yeah. It's insane. I don't, I don't know. Like, everyone told me not to happening. buy this. People look at the screenshots and stuff it. and they're just, they look, then they look at their review score and they just squint. They're just like, yeah, well, I don't and, trust and, these people. <laughs> I'm so, going it's in. so weird. But even, even reading some of the reviews, like there was there was one review that stood out in particular because the way that the, the, the person worded it implied that they bought, they bought it just so they could pile on to the negative review <laughs> this is actually this is interesting. So so what? yeah, there's the Lost Garden blog, which I think we mentioned last week or we we're chatting about at some point. Mm-hmm. Lost Garden blog, um, where I don't remember the guy's name, but he's a fantastic writer and he does a bunch of game stuff. And he talked about uh, recently. He just commented on a Gama Sutra article that was talking about No Man's Sky because they had a big update come out. And he said it's really weird that hating stuff has actually become like a hobby nowadays yeah and you gotta be real careful he's like this is gonna get weirder and the people who are gonna get punished the most are actually small studios who don't have a pr company basically 
guiding them and then also taking the brunt of the punishment when shit hits the fan. Yeah. And because you want people to it's I, freaky. I, you I know? think this was this is I don't think this is any more true today. It's just easier for that hobby to sort of feed on itself because of Because there's so many things to hate, you know? There's, yeah. just, there's just content popping up everywhere well, what people to be tend mad to about. Just hate, hate everything. But they tend to only hate a small number of things at a time, right? So it's more just, it's so easy to, to be hateful so quickly and use and at so many people at once mm-hmm. via Twitter primarily, right? Um, Twitter is like, it's the best vehicle for hate in the universe it's right now. We, it's a weird angry place yeah. well i think it's just because hate first questions it's, later it's <laughs> you know with a, with a 140 character limit you know anger is sort of the punchiest of oh yeah emotions right yeah. i mean conveying love or joy or happiness towards somebody sometimes you know there's some nuance to it maybe it takes a poem yeah, but if you're if you're angry about something, you got all just a whole slew of four letter words <laughs> you can just throw in there. Yeah, you can just uh, or you can just say die. Yeah, mm-hmm. so easy, so concise. Yeah, just boom. Beautiful. The beautiful yeah, fits in fits in a tweet. You could put twenty of those uh, in a tweet if you want. Well, I want to get us away from Twitter because fuck that place. So yeah, let's go back true. to uh, the time award because I want to talk about it a little bit um, for other other devs out there, even players. What what is it? like for us for to to receive something like like the time sort of top 10 designation thing mm-hmm. and what does that actually mean for us because i think we've had we've had a few people who've we got some texts yesterday from friends who were like oh my god you guys got this thing does that mean you're famous we're like no <laughs> <laughs> um nope but and, and i think the our response to that maybe is confusing to someone who hasn't been dealing with what we've been dealing with already so or even to many who have actually yeah so, so let's talk a little bit about what what is an award for and what's sort of our response to it and why? Because a lot of people do get very excited about them and mm-hmm. we tend to say, oh, that's really cool and then just move on. So yeah. what's we can the actually, deal? We can extend this into even things, other other kind of honorary things like being uh, given the opportunity to give a talk at GDC, mm-hmm. which or, is actually just another kind of award. Or mm-hmm. even just getting a really, really good review of your game on a major site mm-hmm. yep. or something. Yeah. They, they all come out the same, which is to yeah, say... Yeah, it's all the same thing. Yeah, we think about these as as drops in a bucket, which isn't to say that they are meaningless, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you want to fill a bucket, you got to do it with a lot of drops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but any individual, you can't you can't attribute the fullness of the bucket to any <laughs> one particular drop. I like right? to use the metaphor of a catamari ball yeah. for this, right? Okay. Where and this is actually the approach we took early on too when no one was paying attention to anything we did, which is that the, the general press approach is that you target the smaller blogs that people, that devs usually won't even try to play a ball with and you send them codes and you say, hey, um, you know, we have this game coming out. It'd be great to get a review from you. And you use those then to leverage a review out of a slightly bigger publication and then a slightly bigger one. So you, you literally do this sort of rolling up of reviews and that sort of thing the weirdest thing to us about the time was that we didn't we didn't know that that, that it was a thing we've had no contact with anybody i don't even think i even sent them a note when crash Lens came out or at any time in the past well it's, it's not you don't normally think of time magazine when you're thinking of that's probably why yeah. right? <laughs> people listen game but i think that's why stuff. this one in particular i think actually to me means the most because we didn't we didn't send them notes to try to get it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And so, so that that's really cool. That like essentially, it, what it sounds like is that that person essentially just found the game of their own accord, mm-hmm. played the crap out of it, was like, "This is good," and then put it in their stuff. You know, and that's really neat. But I think the the overall point with the awards is that they are sort of just pieces of a larger puzzle, and we don't get so much excited for the award as what the award might be able to let us sort of what the doors are that it might open up. Because it, it's always nice to have a stamp of approval. Like we had this at PAX. 
when we were in the PAX 10, we'd go walk around downstairs and talk to other devs. And, you know, there's tons of develop game developers walking around PAX and trying to talk to each other and schmooze and stuff. And so when we'd go up and say, hey, you know, we're, we made this game. We're Butterscotch shenanigans. They'd be like, okay. And then we say, oh, yeah, we're in the PAX 10. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, what's what's up? How you doing? <laughs> and because because it's basically just a stamp of approval, like, you're not just some schmuck, you know? Um, and I think that's kind of what well, I mean, we're yeah, storing so, these up for. Well, we still might be schmucks. We're totally schmucks, yeah. but, you know. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it we're just it schmucks with a stamp of approval. Yeah. Right. It doesn't actually mean that in any in any important sense that we are one of the 10 best games of the year. Correct. I, even I would argue against that, right? Um, cause there've been some fucking amazing games that came out this mm-hmm. year. I think ours is quite good, but shit top 10, right? But we can so, do better. We can do better. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but, but I think importantly it's that these sort of stamps of approval, um, are coming from there. It's, it's a, it's always an arbitrary set of metrics, mm-hmm. right? There's no real, there's no real way just to say, yes, this is how these things should be ranked. This is what's important. This is what's not. And so on. It's just, you get your stuff to the right person with the right message. And that stuff combines with the arbitrary set of things that they care about specifically and taken together. They're like, okay, yeah, this is a thing that I like. And then Mm -hmm. they want to go talk about it and support you. And, and so for us, we, as Sam was saying earlier, we actively solicited basically every single stamp of approval that we've gotten kind of except for this one. Right. But we, as in, we sent tons and tons of emails and try to meet with people in real life and and try to do all this kind of stuff. Well, even for the PAX 10, you, you, you have to put you, your yeah, name in the hat. You put your yeah, name in the hat. Submit. Yeah. Exactly. You, you submit it, so you're one of a few hundred or whatever people who submit. Right. And the crafting of that pitch was not just like, a, oh, let me just bang out a paragraph and shoot up. Yeah. Yeah. We like made this long. game. Here, look at it. Right. Yeah. So I think that's that an important thing to note <laughs> is that anytime you see someone getting an award, you have to understand that that they weren't just given that they, award. They, yeah, it doesn't just appear. Like the, you, have to, you have to actually try to get it. And I think this is one of the things that indie devs in particular, at a sort of when you first start, don't really get about how the whole system works which is it works like anything else which is that people can only uh sort of bring to the top or bring to awareness what they know exists mm-hmm. and even if you have a good game most people don't know it exists yeah period even if you have a good game that's been featured on on itunes and steam and google play most people still do not know it exists because so it was approach- only featured for a moment in yep. time yep. so and- whenever we approach press and stuff we Assume they actually have no idea, and not in and not in a aggravated way. Yeah, we're just like, hey, there's a game Crashlands we made. It's really good. Also, it's on Times Top Ten Games list now. Yeah, and hopefully we can use that to get some of these publications who haven't it's, paid uh, any attention to us. Social it? proof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, that's yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, and and it's a, it's sort of personally gratifying to to get these kinds of things because what it means is that we've done a good job at at what we've been trying to do. Mm-hmm. which is craft a message and a product that people care about and then let them know about it, right? Uh, that's that's basically what this is sort of the seal of approval of. It doesn't actually, because that's one of the important lessons that, that we've learned, which is that these things don't don't lead to more sales of your game. Correct. But yeah. there are things that you can use to talk about your game in a more, with, with more social proof right. in it. Which can eventually sort of, you know, down the road somewhere, just kind of broaden awareness of your game so that, the next time you get visibility of that thing, more people can see it and more people will have heard of that thing before and, mm-hmm. and so on. Um, yeah, I, th- I think the mistake that, that you can fall into, even if you do make a really good game and you get some kind of recognition is to just sit there, right? You can't just assume that because somebody, you know, handed you an award or hand or put you on a, on a list or whatever, um, that all of a sudden you're going to just get a huge spike of new players mm-hmm. or a new, mm-hmm. you know, renewed interest from the press or whatever. You take that, that little nugget 
and you just start running around and showing yeah. it. Right? The reality is when you get an award, you actually have just gotten a huge amount of work to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's just actually a list happened. of chores yeah. of people to go talk well, to. Well, you can think of it as, as, as an, an award is also a product being sold by right. the, the person who gives the award. Right. Mm -hmm. But they're making it your job to go sell that product now, mm -hmm. right? And you're selling that product in order to sell your own product. So it's actually now twice as hard mm -hmm. to, to <laughs> right? So, uh, of course, if it's a really good institution that's, that's providing this award, then they have their own mechanisms by which to, to sell this thing. But a lot of awards that you get, especially from smaller institutions, uh, they, they're asking you to sell their product. That yeah. award isn't, it's that, that award isn't going to help you even in the slightest, in any meaningful way, uh, they're attaching their name to you because they think that you're going to be successful. And then people will see this award next to mm -hmm. your successful thing. I think this is an important note about, about thinking about your relationship with the press generally is that if, if someone writes a review, takes the time to write a review about your game, you should blast that out on whatever media channels that you have. Yeah, Help them out. They're, because they made a product. The, yeah. That's the reality is that yeah. they've, they've now, they've made a product that of course is based on your product. Although um, if they wrote a, if they were angry about your game or whatever, no, yeah, you're, not oh, yeah, you're, not, you're not obligated to, but I'm saying, you know, if, if it's a sort of thing where even if it's like, a, if it's basically a good, good plus sort of review, um, or if it's the case that it's, it's for a publication, maybe didn't give you a good review, but that you've been trying to like get your damn toe in the door for, mm -hmm. then it may be worth, you know, taking the time to actually send that out and be like, Oh, Hey, yeah, we did. We got a review and IGM, whatever it was middling <laughs> but we you respect know, their opinion yeah, was, right. we're, just, we're just happy to be in the publication well, yeah, because right? in, in the same way that accolades are just the right arbitrary combination of factors right mm -hmm. it's the same way when you get a negative review and negative reviews probably aren't going to have much of a consequence on you anyway so yeah, we did have use, and keep in mind, we did have one from destructoid yeah which we never sent out yep uh which it I, wasn't a review it was a preview it was a preview it was the person who did it was just like weirdly angry and they hated the game so much they couldn't they couldn't even bring themselves to play it enough to write a review. Yeah. <laughs> they were just, they were, and I'm not sure like if we just hit that person in like a weird point. I'm yeah, not that's sure. exactly what this happened. Thing, like, there's yeah. lots of stuff going on. So I'm not sure what. Just for oh, some man. reason. I was like, I, yeah. like I, I, could, I could just sense that as they were writing the preview, they were just like throwing up in their mouth the whole time. <laughs> right. Well, the, the reason we actually didn't push that one forward is not because, it was actually because it didn't involve any good critique. It was yeah, yeah. literally just this guy being he's just angry. being angry and like making really mean jokes about stuff constantly. Yeah. And just kind of being mean. And we're like, this isn't good. This isn't good critique. We're material. just gonna let that one <laughs> lie. Let it die. <laughs> but I think there's the, the final point about award stuff is that you also can't do this for the awards. No. You really can't. Because awards do not sell games. They don't, they're arbitrary. You do it. You sell games. Yeah, they're arbitrary. And then the reality is we you know, we talked about this before we launched the game, but we had this very intense sit down. We we're planning out, okay, you know, what's, what do we do if these variety of things happen? And the baseline understanding for all of us was even if this game makes like no money, the reality is that we will be super proud of the particular product we made. Yeah. We won't be proud of the way we sold it, obviously, yeah. but, <laughs> but, but we are, we like, this game is good and we know it's good. Yeah, we, we don't, we don't need uh, additional approval. Exactly. And I think you got to get to that point of self-confidence with the products you make before you can but reliably, being honest. Yeah, being honest. Being honest, yeah. Before you can reliably accept rewards without the large set of negative consequences that actually can fro come from getting one, which yep. is that you can sort of lose focus or start well, putting and, uh, your eggs and, in that and, I mean, the best awards, like the most acclaimed awards, right, as which, again, are products in and of themselves, 
are given to things that were already successful, mm-hmm. like universal. Yeah, that does That's what they're for. They, 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 this is this is not somebody trying to help you sell your game. This is somebody attaching their name to you because you already did the because work to you make already it successful. Did the work to be successful. <laughs> and, and which is not to say that, that there's that's something you should avoid or anything like. This is not even a political stance. That's just a fact of how it is, right? Uh, and so. If you want accolades in your industry, which isn't, I mean, that's a useful and mm-hmm. interesting and important thing, uh, then still, in the end, you have to make a good product and sell a shit out of it first yep. and get awards second or never because the best move would just sell your game, make another one, sell mm-hmm. that one too. Yeah. Ignore, right. ignore awards well, completely. Let's get to some questions. All right. Uh, first question comes from Pop183. And by the way, you can ask these questions at podcast.bscotch.net. You guys threw a bunch of new ones in there after last week when we asked you to, so thanks a bunch. Let's hit them right in the mouth. All right. First question comes from Pop183, who says, what is your favorite book slash book series? It's not game related, but you know. Mm. I feel mm. like we had this. We have talked about this question. briefly before, so just hit okay. it. Give me a name. Mine was the Culture Series from EAM Banks. But then. But then I read more of them. They got worse. <laughs> and they steadily got, like, it's still good, so I think it's still probably my top series, mm-hmm. but it's uh, it's definitely on the decline. Oh, actually, so it's definitely Dark Tower. Dark Tower is now my top series. Mm, okay. So uh, as, yeah, as a me, cohesive entire series. For me, I like, uh, there's there's two series that I really enjoy. Uh, one of them is called Star Force, which is sort of <laughs> a dumb, like, 80s action movie turned into a series of novels about a computer science professor who leads the human race to fight an army of alien intergalactic alien robots. Okay. Hmm, so yeah. that's a pretty good one. Star force. Um, and then there's a series called codex Alera, which is kind of fantasy, but it's got its own thing going on. So it's not, you know, generic orc dwarf elf mm-hmm. bullshit fantasy. Uh, it's, it just has a really cool magic system and uh, lots of really interesting characters. And uh, it's, it follows the story. Uh, it's not like a Harry Potter esque kind of a story where, the main character is like the chosen one sort of a thing. It actually follows this. It's like a ca- farm boy. It, it follows like the <laughs> shittiest character. In he's the literally, sense that he's the only one in the world who has no ability. He has to no do what magic. Else does. Like their, their, whole, their <laughs> whole society is built around, around the use of magic. And, he's a freak. and they like, even all of their political structures and everything are based on, you know, sort of like bloodlines of who has the strongest magic in their lineage and stuff. And he just doesn't have any. <laughs> and he's the only person. And the story follows him. Does he develop and then become the chosen one? No. No. <laughs> wow. But that's an impressive sort of trope. Yeah. Um, it's good. Avoidance. He just, uh, yeah, he just sucks. And so <laughs> so he has to be crafty. Yeah. Right? yeah. He's very clever. So, I huh. think mine is, besides Codex Alera, which I highly recommend, there's Mistborn, which is phenomenal. Good uh, sci-fi or fantasy, I guess, um, with a really good magic system. And then the other one is, uh, it's the, the Name of the Wind is the first book in it. I can't remember what it's called. It's like the King Killer Chronicles or some crap mm-hmm. like that. Third book is not out yet. And it's so good that you'll probably be really upset about the fact the third book isn't out yet. So maybe just wait on just that wait. One. But Codex Lair is about 6,000 pages worth of goodness, so go ahead and get on that. <laughs> I think it's interesting that time. people always talk about binge-watching Netflix shows, but nobody ever talks about binge-reading book series. I yeah. mean, Codex Lair, because I got... Yeah, you got to be careful. That was one of the first books that I got on my Kindle. 
Which of course you can just immediately buy the next one. Oh, which yeah. is very different. That's than, what I did with uh, with the culture series. Yeah. So I I I didn't sleep for one whole night, and I just read three of the books. <laughs> yeah, I, I started reading it when I was uh, on the was on bad. the plane to India, which was thirty hours of travel. Yeah. And my wife just told me she's reading this just read this book for days and days and days, <laughs> and she's like, "What is that?" And I said, "Oh yeah, it's this book. You know, it's pretty good." And, I'm just hallucinating vividly. Yeah. Here. Don't worry so about she, it. So <laughs> she so she was like. Well, I'll read the first one. And so she started reading it, and then she just basically took my candle, <laughs> and I didn't get it back for Yeah, make for sure weeks. you carve out a good couple of days. <laughs> All right, next question comes from Gafferman, who says, Long time no ask. Hey, Gafferman. Hey! You guys are really outdoing yourself with your post-launch support of Crashlands, with the creator being the cherry on top. But besides being super customer-friendly, customer, customer friendly, is the creator in particular a good business move? Let's uh, talk about this for a sec, because probably, probably not. not. <laughs> probably, yeah, probably. Well, no, but let's take a step back, because what does it mean to be a good business move? Because mm. one of the things is, as we were talking about previously, is to have people pay attention to what you're doing so that the next time you make a big business move, in the more sort of conventional sense, like launch a game, right? Uh, people, or just doing a dance. Or doing a dance. Then people give more shits right about the thing. Mm-hmm. So, so we we don't know what the creator is going to do. We we're thinking of it it's purely an experiment where we don't think it's going to cause us to sell in infinite copies of Crashlands. We don't we don't think it's going to necessarily even be a huge boost to to the sort of final success of Crashlands. The main thing we want it to do is provide an opportunity for players to provide their own content and their own stories in the game so that we can then finally just say, we're, we are now done developing Crashlands. That's, mm-hmm. It's it's here, community. Product. You now you now do whatever you, you make the game now. exactly now now you can do whatever you, you think want. You're so and- good. This <laughs> <laughs> is your fucking problem. I'm done. I'm moving on. Exactly. And uh, but we the the hope is that that what uh, what having the creator will do is allow players to to have more reasons to keep playing the game and to talk about it and tell other people about it so that the constantly decaying tale of the game that we currently have, which will soon make the game not worth supporting at all because it'll mm-hmm. make so little money that it would be just stupid from a business perspective because we'll just go bankrupt and have to fire all of our employees to keep and ourselves. And, and ourselves as employees. So And our dogs. Yeah. They Coco's really, bad work. Coco yep. will starve to death. Yep. So we don't want puppies to starve to death. Yeah, no, basically. That's nobody does. Which means we have to either, well, we have to move on to a next project is the thing that definitely has to happen. And the other thing that we want to do, though, is just say, what is one, the one final move we can make that has a decent likelihood of slowing the decay or mm-hmm. even reversing it? So, you know, again, not trying to pull a, pu- a ton of money out of like the end stages of Crashlands, but just make it so that it can kind of support itself over time. Yeah. Just so, so that, that there's more new interesting things happening yeah. to make people want to stick around more. Yeah. It's a big experiment, truthfully. Yeah. We have no, and idea it's going to be an experiment it. in managing com- user created content, community yep. content. Yep. Um, we got to try to develop some systems to make that it happen. It may be a nightmare. Yeah. Who knows? In, if, in a lot of if ways, it is, it I mean, don't worry. We're building in some kill switches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll turn that fucker uh, so right if off. You, if you people just cover everything with dicks. Which we know is going to happen because it's, it's, yeah, it's yeah, just what And happens. if we can't figure out a good way to stop it, then <laughs> we're just going to catch the dick apocalypse. Down. Yeah. We will yeah. not support the dick apocalypse. No, and we, we do not run, as, as you listeners all know, probably. We don't run by the freedom of speech, do whatever you want. It's your right model. We run by the, this is you're, our shit. Yeah, you're if, in my house. You're in my house. 
<laughs> and in my house, we don't put dicks all over the walls, guys. Yeah. Don't you stop? Don't you stop digging uh, up the walls? Uh, <laughs> all right, next question comes from uh, uh, Jinx Soul. I think this is a new person. Ooh, welcome, Jinx Soul. Welcome. Who says, what happened to Tal Fight 1? And will there be a prequel released for Tal Fight 2? So if we release a prequel for Tal Fight 2, the reality is it would actually have to be Tal Fight 1.5. Because... Or Tal, Tal Fight 2, the prequel. Yeah. Or, Tal or Fight just Tal, Tal Fight 3, the prequel. The prequel mm-hmm. 2 with the digit. We'll call it Tal, Tal Fight, Fight 3, two. the beginning of Tal Fight of 2. Of Tal Fight 2. Or, or if it was Tal Fight 3, the sequel to Tal Fight, which is actually st- and a prequel the- to Tal Fight <laughs> Two. Oh yeah, the sequel to Tal Fight and the prequel to Tal Fight Two. Well, yeah. So there's there's kind of an interesting problem here, which is the prequel. The prequel to Tal Fight Two is a jam game that we made. It was the first game that Sam and I ever made as a mm-hmm. duo, and it was. Pretty sure uh, you can play it on the website. Is it up there? I think it's still there. It was called Tal Fight of the Gods. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was more of an inspiration for Tal Fight 2, more so than a prequel. Very loose. Yeah, because none of the characters, the characters that are the same are, uh, are that I've carried in through the universe is just Pete. Well, and, and Quetzalcoatl, which was supposed to be the other god. Right, which is which now Hugo, Q, Hugo got turned into Hugo Duco. Yeah, I yeah. mean, um, you never see these characters. They're only mentioned by name. Um, <laughs> right. because during, during a voiceover. Yeah. yeah, during a voiceover. So, so yeah, so this is the, so I guess Tal Fight, the original Tal Fight, is the origin of the Viru race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, which are the evil laser-headed guys. And so, yeah, universe. in the original Tal Fight, you are pulled into the arena of the gods, where basically you can think of it as sort of, Hugo and Pete are just having a friendly, like, fucking with the world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they uh, sucked through a wormhole a dude who was just taking a shower. They replaced his arms with bananas and gave him a cannon of uh, through which he would shoot animals out of. Mm-hmm. And they put this guy in the arena, and then they just send waves of minions af- after him. And uh, whichever... Whichever minion the little guy shoots first, uh, he will side with the other god. So right. if you shoot a land creature, then you side with Pete because Pete's the god of the sea. And vice versa. And Pete will bestow upon you a series of projectiles to shoot out of your banana yeah. arm. So really cannon. the only thing we kept from the original Tal fight was the projectile system, which yes. is these different animals, animals that have different qualities as far as bullets Not go. shooting animals, yep. shooting animals as projectiles which is much more humane yeah Yeah. but as far as sequels and stuff go in general i think you know the next the next title we're going to start working on is quadrupus 2 um we're getting starting to ramp up on that and so we'll be we will probably be revisiting and building out parts of the universe that we never got to do because we didn't know what we were doing it didn't have any we uh, could do quadrupus 3 we could just skip two and people be like where I was I, I, I didn't follow you guys for three years. I don't understand what happened. Yeah. Where did the second one go? I can't find it anywhere. Well, right. if if one thing, if I've learned one thing about the games industry, it's the higher number you put on the a game, the more money it makes. Then the more money it makes. So yeah. if we could just go ahead and just skip. Does it work with decimals? You know, could you be like three point one four one oh? We'll be like it's, oh, probably, it's a- probably a marginal improvement. I imagine. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I know. I think. I think most we're people on, don't understand. Right now, I think we're on something like Battlefield ninety two or something like that. And of yeah. course, every single one does. Well, no, better. they actually they reverted back to one. Oh well, they now went, they're not going to make any money. They went they? so high, they were like, "We got to start at the beginning." I guess well, Xbox did the same thing. They were up to three sixty, and they're like, "Oh fuck, this is too big. We got to go back down to one." Well, for sales and marketing stuff, you're supposed to choose the higher number between the percentage and the actual discount that you're giving in terms of raw dollars, right? So if you're given, if it's like 20% off a product, but it's less than 20 bucks, 
then you're supposed to, or 20. Then you use the percent. Then you use the percent because it seems like a better deal. So my question Mm -hmm. is, so instead of saying it's a dollar off, you say it's half off. It's 50% off. You're like, wow, what a deal. But if you're like, it's a dollar off, you're like, who gives a fuck about a dollar? So my question is, should we we actually take a percentage and say this is quadruplus. Mm, 200%. Or 3,000% because there's going to be way more stuff in it, you know? True. Yeah. And it's sort of like a bigger version. We could just cut the percent and just call it Quadruplus 3000. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> That's, a good, that's a good name. Which we might run into some Andre 3000 uh, <laughs> trademark. Yeah, you can just do $29.99. Oh, this also reminds me. <laughs> Although people of, feel like that's closer to 2000 Speaking 3, of what to call sure. Quadruplus, we learned that there is a cracked, a translated Chinese version of Quadruplus Rampage floating mm-hmm. around. And there is no Chinese analog for the word quadrupus. And they didn't, they didn't get what, 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 we, were what we were trying to say. Yeah. yeah. And so they just called it, they just called it uh, berserking magic man. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good. Maybe that's what we'll call quadrupus too. Berserking magic man. Oh, we're good. Too. Too good. Too, too good. All right. Uh, <laughs> final question comes from Volbeater. Who, Whoa. Which is, why are you beating all those Vols, Chill man? Out. Chill out. I don't know. Plus, how many? How much can you beat a Vol? Probably just depends on the implement you use. If you use like a Q-tip, you could just you just wail on it. Go to town on that Vol. <laughs> vol Q, Q-tip beater. Volbeater. God damn, you guys. It's weird. Maybe it's, maybe it's Volbeater. Ooh. Yeah. It's, just, it's a juice mancy patch situation. The emphasis is hard to yeah. hard to figure out. Yeah. Let's go with the Volb Eater. Volb Eater. So who no, asks, Volb Eater. <laughs> if you could <laughs> if you could fly to Mars, would you do it? And I just want to back this up because the phrasing of this question is so phenomenal. Because yeah, yeah if I could just fly to Mars, yeah, I'd do it. <laughs> if I was like, oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna take a walk, and then I'm gonna take a quick fly to Mars. I'm just gonna take a quick fly. I'm uh <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go see the stars a little bit. Uh, yeah, this is it. something that I've always kind of wondered about is if you're traveling through space, are you flying? Mm. I mean, you can just define flying however you want. Because yeah, I don't we're getting think semantics so. here. Yeah. Well, no, because I mean, there's if by no, flying, you mean using lift by being on top of a cushion of air. There's no, no aerodynamics. You are there's rocking. No, there's no even propulsion needed, right? Like once you're up there, you just sit, you're just hanging out. Oh, you, you tend to still propel though. So I guess the question then said this, would you hang out to Mars? Yeah, I'd hang out to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about, because the Mars mission is supposed to be coming up, right? So everyone's been talking about, would you go and be one of the first colonists on Mars? No, Fuck I'm going to yeah. let, that shit's going to be rough. Yeah, as I'm going to let that settle yeah, for a while. As bad as 2016 world is, which is pretty fucking bad. It's still not Mars. 2016, <laughs> way better yeah, than 2016 Mars. Mars is garbage. Yeah. It's it's literally a planet with like five percent of the air pressure that we have, and you can't even breathe what's there. Well, I mean, because you couldn't even—it's a vacuum. You yeah. can't even suck in your lungs. Yeah, I'm, I'm, saying, I'm saying just gas composition wise. Yeah, yeah. So it's if you, not even, even if you compress it, you, use. you can't you can't eat it. You know, I've, it's got like one pond on it, so there's almost no water there. The crazy thing to me is, you know, <laughs> has everybody saw The Martian? I mean, you you know you know what's gonna <laughs> happen. You know what's gonna happen? You have to. Yeah, have I'm to, not that I'm not that MacGyver. You're gonna have to shit on some potatoes and then eat them and then eat them. Although the the and premise shitty potatoes. The premise <laughs> of the I don't I always thought this was kind of interesting because the premise of the disaster in the, the Martian that kicks off the whole thing is that there's this windstorm that blows the rocket over. Which again, if their atmosphere is five percent of the density of Earth's atmosphere. 
there there's literally no windstorm that could knock that fucking rocket you over. Should? It'd have to be I yeah. mean if it was moving real fast. Yeah. No, I mean they go like I mean, 300 miles an hour some crazy shit. Dude, 300 miles an hour of basically nothing? Like what is that? That's not a You'd be like, "Oh, this is a gentle breeze that I barely feel." <laughs> yeah, you'd be like this is a fast moving yet basically nothing breeze. Right? <laughs> but I know they so have every now and then just one of your hairs would be like and kind of like blow back. <laughs> But that's it. They must, yeah, actually, how does that work? They must be some real vigorous storms if they can do damage. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it just blows sand around. And sand is, of course, extremely Yeah, I mean, you'll, you'll get, you'll get some, you'll get some yeah. sand in your cracks. But is it going to blow over a five, it's not blow over a rocket. ton rocket? Yeah, because there's stuff like, you know, the, the astronaut is like, they're, like, they're trying to like push against the storm, and then they blow away and fly, and like, shit's getting ripped off. And of you're their, saying they'd just be walking through some sand. Basically. There would be a lot of sand blowing around, but they'd just be like, oh, fuck. And they would just, they'd just walk up. They'd be like, it's super dusty right it'd be now. Like, it'd be like fog. Yeah, it's kind of like a fog. It'd be like a 300-mile-an-hour fog. So, yeah, guess- so how fast does wind have to be going on Mars before it can... Before it can blow something before over. Before it can blow something It over. sounds like an XKCD question. It does sound like... It's probably answered on there. But yeah, because this, this was something I... You know, I, I'm, I love space travel and sciencey shit. So I was reading a whole bunch of stuff and I loved the Martian, but I was reading a bunch of, uh, of sort of discussion boards about the sort of the, how realistic it was. And everybody's like, yeah, everything about it is super good, except for the entire premise of how it started. <laughs> and it, the thing is it didn't need, like there's so many things that could have gone wrong oh, yeah. that they didn't, it didn't need to happen like that, but it right? was pretty spectacular. It was spectacular yeah. to, to be, to be fair. So, <laughs> So yeah. I guess long story short, yeah, we we all hang out to Mars, but for a moment, for just like like going for a drive, if that's the equivalent, you might as well just go to the Grand Canyon. It looks the same, and you can breathe, and you, you can, can breathe. breathe. Yeah, there's there's plants. Yeah, if you, you don't lost. need specialized you just, equipment. There's a store nearby. You could just go like buy some. You don't food. need to poop on potatoes. Nope. There you go. Let's. Go I mean, you can. You could. <laughs> But, you know, you get the option because yeah. and this is America and we're all about freedom of choice, you know? I feel like you our, might get in trouble people see you pooping on potatoes. I feel like our pragmatism yeah. is sort of overriding the dream here, which is like everyone's like, let's go to Mars. We're like, just go to the Grand Canyon. It's <laughs> so much more practical. No, I think well, the question is why would to, you want to go to Mars? Well, like, there's no good reason. I mean, reason. just because. But I think this, well, this is the thing, right? Because humans do this all the time. Where you're like, oh, we could, we could go to Mars. People are like, why the fuck would you go to Mars? And they're like, because we can. Because it's in the purview of things that we could accomplish. Well, I, I think there are a lot of things that are <laughs> interesting must. about it, and I think it would be cool. It's cool as like a as a human mission to go do. Mm-hmm. But for an individual person making that decision, am I going to go to Mars? The question is, why the fuck? I think you, you need yeah. to, are you you need to think about that? it sort of like hu- how humans are a sort of viral invasive species. True. Right? And so... We hit a point where we just kind of, we kind of fill the available space and we're like, we got to go. We got to keep going. We got to keep spreading, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so for a while it was, we were stuck here on, on earth and starting to get a little full, right? A little hot. A lot of it's bodies. Getting a little, it's like, getting a little packed. <laughs> what about the moon? What if we just <laughs> went to that? And to we, me, the, the funniest part of this whole thing is that we're, yeah, without a doubt, we are fucking up this planet really hard, right? Mm-hmm. And so everyone's like, I guess, like, I don't see any end in sight to us fucking this thing up. We just Let's go fuck up another thing. Well, well it's, it's already let's fucked go, up. Yeah, let's go to a plate. Like, there's the level at which Earth has to be fucked up before it's anything like as fucked up as Mars or the moon. It's tremendous. It's enormous. Yeah, but there's nobody like, there. So you could go there. And I think there's a, there's also an important point there, which is if we go to Mars and we want to actually colonize it and have people live there, then we have to terraform it. Mm-hmm. Which means we have to develop on purpose 
a respect for nature <laughs> that we that we couldn't have had on Earth because it was just handed to us, yeah. right? So we have to oh, we have to yeah. go there and we have to like it's like buying your own car. Yeah. You know? So think about this, like you know, on Earth people are like fuck this and they just like throw a wrapper out the window and then they, like, they just like dump their cup out, you know, whatever. By the way, if you do that, you can go straight. To you that, you yeah. fuck you. But if you uh, do that around a Martian raised human, oh man, they're death gonna, penalty. They're gonna, you are. <laughs> they're gonna break you in half. Yeah. The with entire their tiny, tiny muscles because the yeah. gravity's way weaker. <laughs> but they'll be super tall because their spine is all stretchy. Yeah. So Ooh, gross. Yeah, people just turn into these weird noodle people with like long arms and they have no muscles. And but yeah, so I mean because we have to make it's a concerted effort as just as an entire species just to make this place livable, then if you fuck it up, so you're saying, Seth, that we should actually we should go to Mars. To just to get like to actually res- learn some goddamn respect for, for, our, our, for our ecosystem. But the problem is that there will still be all those Earth people who still don't give a fuck. And you're gonna and have a war. Exactly. So it's you're gonna have to, basically a, just a bunch of a, a bunch of sort of like hippies. But here's the question: because yeah. like, well, they need you, to be nuclear arms so they can shoot <laughs> nukes back at. Well, Earth. You're, gonna, you're gonna have nuclear hippies. Nuclear hippies Mars. like nuclear Gandhi. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> but what? So if if you were on Mars. As like a country, what could the country of Mars? The country of Mars. What what could a a Earth like a sort of Earth origined missile hit besides your stuff? Besides like your just your colony to cause you any sort of problem whatsoever? Because well, it's your fucking colony, Mars. Well, I mean, besides your colony, though, right? Okay, but I think that would be sufficient. <laughs> <laughs> if they did hit you, I'm that would be bad. I'm presuming. That my point is that. Is that what would be the point of like throwing a missile at a barren planet? I mean, you could still irradiate it. Just you got to send a message <laughs> to those. But you can't hippies. irradiate it because there's not enough Stuff. air going around to make the fallout happen, right? Think about it. If there's like, but the ground would be irradiated. But yeah, but that's true. Like, but they wouldn't even hear it because there's not enough air. If anything, it would sound. just. It, if anything, it would just warm it up nicely. You'd be like, oh, that's great. That's great. That's good. Thank you. Getting some extra Thank sun. You. Yeah, I think hitting true, hitting Mars. Sun. I mean, it's already hard enough to you know send a probe there that has parachutes and can land and self-guided well and it's probably like a lot that. easier to send something that doesn't have to do all those things that's true probably but it's still but the thing is is a missile still effective sort of at detonating and everything if it's traveling at something like twenty-five thousand miles per hour it's probably real good at it <laughs> also <laughs> i imagine it would just, I imagine it would just kind of like hit and just kind of be like just turn into a turn you into, probably, turn into you a probably don't can. even well, you can blow it up in the atmosphere or something well, also you probably you don't even need to put explosives on just make it go real fast. Yeah, there's like that <laughs> movie worry where they drop, they drop the fucking what is it on London? They drop this big like platinum rod or something from space, and it like nukes the entire city. Oh yeah, what is that movie? I know what you're I talking remember. about. Oh, this reminds me of that stupid Avengers: Age of it's Ultron. Like a, it's like a rail gun. Yeah, situation. Yeah, but okay, we we got to wrap this episode up. But I need to, I need to, need to say this about so the Avengers. Because that that movie, uh, the, for those who haven't seen it, don't even worry about it. Uh, but I'm going to spoil it for you. <laughs> so, uh, the pr- pause the, real quick. The bad guy in Avengers: Age of Ultron. He's like, okay, I need to do significant damage to the world. Well, I think before you get into that, we need to point out that it's a robot who's connected to the internet. It's a robot. And I'm pretty sure to the he's essentially, he's basically on Twitter and that's what his problem is. Yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, just fuck this whole thing. He, he, he wakes up and he's like, oh yeah, I feel great. Let me just log me in just real quick. Into Twitter real quick. And then he's like, oh God, I got to take care of this. <laughs> and so he just gets all mad. And, um, and also probably as a robot who is in tune with the internet, he has the capacity to do all kinds of damage to government institutions, 
to try to like take command of yeah. nuclear warheads, spread propaganda. He could do all kind, all manner of very simple and highly damaging things. But instead, he goes, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build an army of robots, send them underground around in a, in a sort of a, a perimeter around one particular town. Then I'm going to install a fuckload of highly technologically advanced jet engines mm, underground. Yeah. Then we're going to lift this city up out of the ground <laughs> up to cruising altitude and then drop it on the ground again. And the shockwave from dropping this city is going to annihilate the planet because it'll be like the planet got hit by an asteroid. Okay. Yeah, this, this also sounds like the sort of terrible idea that you would find on the internet. So maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's where he got it. <laughs> <laughs> but so, so the, the problem with this is like, there were so many easy things that he could have done. And instead he picked what was obviously the most cinematically spectacular one. Right. But the fact is, if you just, if you just picked up a city which it, in, in essence was sort of like a f- giant flat disc, mm-hmm. okay? The air cushion from that flat giant disc that's miles across, and also starting at zero, right? So it, yeah. like you bring it up to 30,000 feet. And then drop it. It's, it's not moving, and you just drop it, right? That's very different from an asteroid coming in like at 30,000 30, miles, 30, miles an hour and smashing into the earth. So you're it's just, just like, going to hit terminal velocity. It hits terminal velocity almost instantly, yeah. and it and it can't it ex- floats. Yeah, it can't exceed something like 200 miles per hour, right? Mm-hmm. Just because it has this huge air cushion underneath it, and so it'll just kind of fall. And people like you'll hear, you'll like it'll hit. Obviously, the city's destroyed, and you'll it'll be kind of like a little bit of a shake, kind of an earthquakey situation in the nearby vicinity, and that's it. So for this technologically advanced <laughs> robot who's like, I'm going to destroy the whole planet. You know, the Avengers could have just been like, well, just let him do it. Like, just let him do his thing, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was it. Let him tire out. That was my, I can't believe the Avengers. I can't believe the Avengers had such a terrible bad guy rant. (laughs) All right, well, that's been it for this this episode of Coffee with Butterscotch. So check in with us next week for episode number 76. And ask questions at podcast.pscotch.net. And tell all your friends. The 2D artist position at jobs.pscotch.net. And, uh... Give us a rating, give us a review, give us a comment, give us a thumb. Tell your grandma. Give us an award, and we'll use it to <laughs> get other awards. Yeah, you got any awards? Give them to us. Yeah, we'll take them. We'll be a Katamari Award monster. Yeah. yeah. Right. We'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Bye.